Well, we're in a seventh week of an eight-week series called Thus Says the Lord. And if you're new this morning, visiting, or perhaps you're listening online for the first time, we've been looking at uh, the 12 minor prophets. And the 12 minor prophets, if you're not familiar with them, they're the last 12 books of the Bible. Uh, Each of their book bears their name. And we've been traveling through this section um, and fascinating collection of writings, looking at a number of topics. And this morning we uh, arrive at two prophets, actually. We have Haggai and Zechariah. If you have a Bible this morning, we're just going to jump in. Uh, Go ahead and turn to Haggai, chapter 2, verse 19. My grandma taught me a song when I was younger about how to memorize the books of the Bible. And she told me it was Haggai. And it's not. I actually looked it up on my uh, handy uh, Hebrew lexicon app on my phone. And it's Haggai. So maybe his mom gave birth to him and said, hey, guy. That was bad. Okay. The band liked it. The band liked it, so I thought I'd give it a try. All right. All right. Hey, guy. Chapter 2, verse 19. Let's take a look at this. And it's towards the end, and it's a simple phrase here. It says this, from this day onward, or from this day on, I will bless you. So this morning, what we're going to do is look at uh, how to live a blessed life, because that's a pretty, pretty strong promise by God, because the context is for Haggai in, in what's happening, and it's been kind of a broken record, is that God's people have turned their back on him, on God, and have gone their own way, and have uh, strayed away, have sinned, worshiped other gods, and yet God in his mercy comes to them. And says to them, for this day on, I will bless you. In fact, in your Bible, or perhaps your teaching notes, you're following along. Underline that phrase, I will bless you. Because that is going to be the, the thesis of uh, this sermon this morning. Let me pray for us. God in heaven, uh, thank you so much that we can come together and uh, remember and think about your blessings. And it's easy for us to forget about that. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this service. Uh, thank you for just the time of singing and and just being able to uh, have conversations uh, in the lobby before the service. And uh, God, I pray that this service would be a pleasing aroma to you. That in what we do and in what we think and in how we respond, that your name would be glorified above all. That's the most important uh, endeavor that we have this morning, that you would be glorified, that your name would be lifted up. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would speak through me. I submit myself to you and humbly come before you. And the privilege it is to be here and to share your word um, is uh, beyond words. And God, I pray that you, your words and, and your thoughts would be shared very clearly to um, our church community. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. I think it's one of the easiest traps, actually, in, as we live in Maple Grove or Osseo or Champlin or Rogers and surrounding areas, is, is for us to take the blessings of God for granted. I know I do. Because we're blessed in so many ways. But I think sometimes we, we act like we, we deserve beautiful homes, or we deserve good jobs, or we deserve safe schools. And we naturally assume that we have a divine right, I think, uh, to good health or security or safety and all the things that we enjoy. But oftentimes we forget that there's so many people in this world who are, who are struggling just to survive. Let me give you some statistics this morning. If you have food in your fridge, I don't because my dogs and I ate it, but if you have food in your fridge, and you have clothes on your back, you have a roof overhead, a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of the people of this world. 
You're in the top 25%, and perhaps for some of you, you always want to kind of be in the top percentage, and it didn't work out for you academically. But, but if, if this is your case, that you have clothes and you have a place to live, you're in the top 25% of the world. If you have money in the bank, a 401k or IRA, if you have money in your wallet or a spare change in a dish, you're among the top 8% of the wealthy in the world. Just think about that. You're richer than 90, 92% of the people in the world. You and I are blessed. You and I are blessed. And if you've never experienced the danger of battle or the loneliness of imprisonment or the agony of torture or the pangs of starvation, you're already ahead of 500 million people in this world. Also, for us to attend a, a service like this, to worship in freedom, to worship in freedom, we're already able to do something that 1.5 billion people on this planet can't do without the fear of, of, of harassment or arrest or torture or death. You and I are blessed to be able to uh, worship in freedom more than, than 1.5 billion people in this world that can't. And we forget just how we're blessed. And we see that in Haggai as he shares with God's people that from now on God says, I'm going to bless you. And it comes right out of his mercy. Because again, they didn't deserve that. In fact, it's mercy as we defined it a couple weeks ago. Somebody asked me, how do you define mercy? And mercy is actually receiving something quite the opposite of what you're supposed to get. Because God's people in Haggai's day actually turned their back on God, as I mentioned, and actually deserved judgment. They deserve to, to actually continue to experience the pangs of starvation and also um, other uh, experiences. But instead, God gives them something quite the opposite. He says, I'm going to bless you. And as you read through Haggai and what, he, and what God does, it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Look at the top of your teaching notes. Just a reminder of God's gracious blessings that we have. I think that we just, again, take for granted. We're saved by grace, says in Ephesians. Set free by grace given talents by grace. We're kept saved by grace. Think about that just for a second. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have eternal salvation. It can't be taken away from you. That's a blessing from God. And if it wasn't for God's goodness in our lives, our, our lives would fall apart. Our families would fall apart. This, this earth would fall apart. It would stop spinning on, an ac- on its axis. There would be no gravity. It's because of God's grace and his goodness. It's held together by his goodness. Everything in life is a blessing from God. And if you and I want to live a blessed life, there's three ways that I want to share this morning. First of all, is for us to thank him, is to be grateful for his blessings. God loves it when his children say, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, for God, for that. So that's one of the first ways that we can live a blessed life. The second way is actually to expect them, to actually expect God's blessings. And then lastly is to share the blessings that God gives to us with the people around us. So first is thanking God for his blessings. If you have teaching notes, you can fill that in. Thank him for everything he has given you. Thank God for what he's done for you. To be grateful for what he's done. And I think oftentimes we we get to a point of life and we're like, God, okay, God, what's next? Instead of looking back and thanking God for what he's already done in our lives. To have an attitude of gratitude. Thanking him. And when we do that, that's called worship. Like oftentimes we define worship as singing songs on a Sunday morning, but when we take time to your day and you actually thank God and say, God, thank you for this or thank you for that, that's an act of worship. I love in Psalm 138, if you want to turn to that, 
We have the slide behind me as well, and this is from the New Revised Standard Version. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Underline that, that phrase, I give you thanks with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise, I bow down towards your holy temple, and I give thanks again, underline that phrase, to your name for the steadfast love and your faithfulness. That's worship. Thank you, God. And maybe tomorrow morning when you wake up, that you actually kind of live out this, this Psalm 138, and you wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning, and the first thing you say is, God, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for life. And then you, you take a hot shower, and you thank God for the hot water. I've been in countries where I've been very thankful for hot water. Thank God for hot water. Maybe as you walk into the kitchen, you see your family, and you thank God for your spouse. You thank God for your kids. And actually to say that, I want to challenge you tomorrow to do that. Is to say, God, thank you for my children. Thank you for my spouse. And then as you eat, is to actually thank God for your food. And say, God, thank you so much for this food. And as you get in your car, to say, God, thank you for this car that you've given me. You go to work. God, thank you for my job. And it may be a job that you don't like a lot, but God, thank you for this job. Or if you're a stay-at-home parent, is to thank God for your house and thank God for the opportunity you get to spend with your kids and raise them and to be with them and tell them stories. That's worship. It's an attitude of perpetual thanksgiving. God wants you to do that. And when you do that, God will bless you more. He loves it when his children say back with their lips, thank you, God, for this. He loves that. The Bible says this. Since God did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave us Christ, also give us everything else? It's a promise. When in Christ, as he spared his son, he gave Jesus. It's through the cross, his life, his sacrifice, that God will bless us even more. I love the story from Chuck Colson the late Chuck Colson, who has had influence on my life and just a great evangelist and writer and, and founded Prison Fellowship. We do Angel Tree every year. That comes from Chuck's ministry, Prison Fellowship. And he writes a story in one of his books. You know, the city of San Jose in Brazil was a, is a remarkable prison facility. And Chuck spent a lot of time visiting prisons across the world. 20 years ago, the Brazilian government gave up this prison and they turned it over to two Christians. And these Christians renamed the prison and decided to build this prison based on Christian principles because that prison had been notorious as a place of torture and just awful and dark, dark things. And with only two full employees, all the work had to be done by the inmates. Can you imagine something like that? And Colson, as he visited that prison in Brazil, said this. He found the inmates smiling, particularly this murderer who helped, held the keys to the prison, opened the gates, and let me in. And he was a convicted murderer, but he had the smile and this joy on his face, that Chuck says. And as he walked around, he saw people, men at peace. He, had, he saw a clean facility, a clean prison, people working cheerfully. It was a part of the gospel that was being um, incarnational, fleshed out. And out on the walls were decorated with Bible verses. Quite the transformation from what that prison was before. And then, then this, this inmate uh, who was guiding him, brought him to this one prison cell. It was actually a, a solitary cell. And it was a cell um, that was known for torture. Awful torture. Awful things happened in this one solitary cell. As they're walking down, they get to the door. The inmate said, Chuck, do you really want to go into this? 
And Chuck's like, yes, I've been in, I've seen plenty of solitary cells before. Believe me, I've seen my share around the world. And this inmate opens the, the massive door, it creaks open, and there is a wooden statue of Jesus that the inmates had carved. And that guide inmate said, he's doing time for us. He's doing time for us. And that's who Jesus is. He's doing time for us. He's doing time for you and I so that you and I can live in freedom. That's the blessing of the cross. I think some of us here this morning perhaps are imprisoned by guilt, though. You can't forget what you did. Or some of you are imprisoned by resentment or or bitterness or envy or malice because of something that happened to you from another person. Or, Or maybe you're locked in the prison of loneliness. Or maybe it's worry and anxiety or fear. And, or perhaps for you, you're locked in the prison of addiction. And you can't stop it no matter how you try. And I want to tell you that the blessing of God through Jesus Christ is the cross. Is the cross. And for you to be able to walk in freedom. And for us, every day, we ought to thank God for the cross. In addition to the list I gave you of what to give thanks for, I want to challenge you from here to Easter every day. Say, God, thank you for the cross. Lord, thank you for the cross. Stopping and remembering that he is doing time for us. All right, next one. Number two, in addition for us to live a blessed life, because we can, is to thank God for his blessings. But secondly, is to expect them. Expect God's blessings. And, and the Bible says so. If you go to Zechariah chapter 3, excuse me, ch- chapter 8, in verses 3 through 4 and verse 7, you'll find this. And now the Lord says, I am returning to Mount Zion. I will live in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. The mountain of the Lord of heaven's armies will be called the holy mountain. Verse 4 of chapter 8. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem, Jerusalem streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. So it's just a beautiful picture of, of what God is going to do. A blessing. Verse 5. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. You've got to remember this time, Jerusalem was desolate. It had been ravaged by enemies. And, and God says, no, I'm going I'm to restore it. I'm going to bless it. Verse 7. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. You can be sure. Circle that phrase. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the, the west. I will bring them home again to live safely, safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people. You can be sure. Expect my blessings, in other words. You can be sure. You can be sure. And God blesses people who believe in him. And it really comes down to faith, I think. When we say expect God's blessings, when we say that God blesses us when we expect his blessings, to expect his blessings is to have faith that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That we have faith in who he is. We have faith in his character. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Faith shows the reality of what we can hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. And a number of you have memorized this verse. You know this verse very well. I like this other translation. This is from the Jerusalem Bible. Is only faith can guarantee the blessings we hope for. Only faith can guarantee the blessings we hope for. Not going to church, not being a nice person. It's faith. 
And it's where, with faith, we say to God, God, you are a God of blessing. I believe that. And I believe that you're going to help me. I believe that you're going to bless me because you've done it so many times before. I'm counting on it. I'm expecting it. I'm trusting you. I'm expecting you to bless me. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this, God will generously provide all you need, and you'll always have everything you need. What are you expecting God to do in your life this week? This month? How are you expecting God to bless you this month? Like a question for us to ask. And, 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 and for us, I think it's important as the Bible tells us in Matthew, Jesus actually says this after he does a healing. He says, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. I want to emphasize that, that verse. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. So really, when it comes to God's blessings, it's according to your faith. You decide. It's according to your faith, it will be done unto you. So whatever your faith quotient is, around God. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm actually talking about you believing God will bless you. Whatever your quotient, whatever the measurement of your faith, it will be done unto you. What do you expect God to do? Because you know what? Based on your faith, um, it'll it'll be done no more or no less. It's according to your faith. God says that you can decide how much I'm gonna bless your life. That's what God is saying through this. When you study the Bible, it's, it's amazing as we have looked at the Bible and as, we, as I've talked to people about as they, their studies in the, in the Bible too, is that it, you see men and women in the Bible, when God does miraculous things, when he turns heaven and, heaven and earth to do something for people, it's because they have faith in him. In, in fact, if you want to read on in Hebrews chapter 12, it's called the Hall of Faith. It talks about all these different people who had this faith in God. Expect God's blessings, but it's going to be according to your faith that will be done unto you. And I think oftentimes for me, instead of faith, it's worry. According to my worry, it will be done unto me. I think that's easy for us, because if you really think about it, in the entire universe, there's only one one thing that God has created that worries. It's human beings. Nothing else creates worries. Nothing else, excuse me, that God create, created uh, worries. Everything else in creation trusts God. Animals don't worry. Plants don't worry. Rocks, the last time I checked, they don't worry. Humans worry. We're the only people that doubt our creator. I, I like what Rick Warren calls this. He, when we worry, he calls it practical atheism. Think about that for a moment. Because when we worry, we don't believe God is going to come through. We we might not even believe that God's listening or paying attention to our life. We don't believe that God will keep his promises. We don't believe that God loves us or that God cares for me or that God wants to bless me. But you can be sure, expect them. To live a blessed life is to expect them and to say, God, I know that you're going to bless me. I expect your blessings. According to your faith, it'll be done unto you. According to your faith, it'll be done unto you. So right now, I just want to pause. What is the greatest fear or your deepest need right now? Or maybe just something that right now that you're very worried about. I mean, I was, I was preparing for this message. I have a, I have a five-page uh, paper due 
uh, this afternoon. I'm working on my doctorate, and I haven't really started on it. I need to get it done today. And I'm worried. And I was just kind of going through. I got here early this morning. I was going through my message, and I was, you know, worrying. I was thinking about that paper, like, how in the world is this? But it, it, it's come together in the past. God's helped me with this. I have my notes, and everything's ready. I just got to write it. And it's not a big academic essay. It's simply a reflection paper. Yeah, I was so worried about it. And I was like, I felt, just felt like God saying, Craig, you're preaching this sermon. Listen to what you're going to be preaching. The sermon's for you. Trust me, I will come through. In fact, if you think about it, that, that, that need that has you worried, God thought up the solution to that need before you even knew it was going to be a need. Think about that. God had the solution before you even realized that it was a need in your life or that it was a fear in your life. God already has the solution for you. And for us, just expect it. God's going to bless us. God's going to come through. All right, next. How to live a blessed life. And for us, it's sharing with others. Because we thank God for his blessings. That's how to live a blessed life. We expect his blessings. But also for us is to share our blessings with others. You are blessed, and I am blessed to be a blessing. It doesn't just stop with you. It's not about you um, collecting all these things in life, but actually, as God blesses you, is for you to then bless others around us. He wants you to, make, to be a blessing to others. And so number three in your teaching notes, share your blessings with others. I want to finish 2 Corinthians 9.8. Because I stopped with the previous point. God is able to provide, provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, here's the part, you may share abundantly in every good work. And what God is saying, I'm going to bless your socks off so that you can go bless other people around you. You're a conduit. You and I are meant to be a conduit of blessing. It's how it works. And the more and more we do that, the more and more that God will bless us. And I have mentioned this before. I challenge you, try to outgive God. In the sharing of your resources, the sharing of your time, the sharing of your life, just try it. Try to outgive God it, and then we'll see what God does in your life. I know one person that radically changed their life in terms of just being a generous person. And I'm not talking just finances. I'm talking about a number of things. And he said, it was amazing. I would, I would share my, my time, or I would do this, and all of a sudden God would provide this incredible opportunity of blessing in my life. And he says, it was like almost, I was trying to outgive God, and I just kind of gave up. You just, you can't, you can't outgive God. And maybe you're here this morning, though, you're like, you know what? I don't have abundance. Yes, you do. You need a top 8% of wealth in the world in the nation, in the world. You've been blessed abundantly. And here's how it works. As, as you start to bless others, God blesses you. And, and maybe, though, you're, you're like, you know what? I'm, I need to get to a certain level. I need to get to a certain status. I need to have a certain income level to do that. No, start now. Start now. And, and maybe you're not, you're not sure what, what it is that you can do. And, and maybe simply look at your talents, your time, and your treasures come the three T's. Those are great ways for you to bless others. Well, this morning, I asked a person to, uh, actually didn't ask him this morning, I asked him uh, a few days ago, if he would just sh share a little bit about how he has decided to live a blessing, a blessed life, to actually bless others around him. 
And this morning, I'm going to call up Jim Asp. Let's give Jim a hand this morning. Jim's one of those guys, him and Joyce, uh, that I had breakfast recently, and this is what happens. You get a, sit down with a meal, and all of a sudden you're on stage the next week. <laughs> but Jim and Joyce... Uh, There's no free breakfast. <laughs> Well, that's for me. You you guys paid. That was nice. (laughs) But Jim and Joyce uh, actually are charter members. They've been here for 30 years. And, yeah, give them a hand. And Jim is very much behind the scenes. You know, when I asked him, I was like praying to God, please, God, because I know Jim's going to say no. He doesn't like talking about what he does, but for a lot of us around the church, uh, Jim does stuff uh, behind the scenes. He fixes things left and right. And uh, we're so grateful for what he's done. But I simply want to start out with, uh, you know, you're a handyman. And and really, where did that start? How did that happen in your life? I guess I must have inherited a gene from my dad or something. Uh, uh, Basically, my dad uh, didn't have a lot of formal education. But uh, he was a brilliant person when it came to figuring out how things worked and uh, how to fix them and how to make things work better. And uh, I worked side by side with him on the farm growing up. And... uh, I don't know if it's a learned trait or if it's something I inherited, but uh, uh, I think it's uh, something that that both Joyce and I are very thankful for, that we've been blessed by a a wonderful heritage and and families that really support us, and uh, that's been a blessing to us, and uh, uh, we're really appreciative of our our heritage. Hmm. I grew up on a farm. I never got that trait. (laughs) What happened happened to me? (laughs) Don't don't say anything. I know you're going to say it. (laughs) I'll keep moving with the questions. Okay. So around the church, and people don't know this, but what, you do a number of things. Share, you know, what you've done over the years, um, fixing things, putting things in. Well, I don't know if I want this to be about me so much. as uh, I, I am a member of the Facilities Commission. I, I guess I, I feel that the church building and facilities should be here to honor God and that uh, as a committee, I don't know if we have a mission statement per se, but... Uh, I think it should be that uh, we make this this building a, a place that's conducive to worship and and conducive to the to the work God has called us to do. That it be a, a a nice facility for the community around us and and welcoming to those who should walk through our doors. As, as for me personally, I guess uh, I didn't realize it was so bright up here, but you know. <laughs> Uh, it's actually fitting for this. <laughs> one, one, of my, one of my personal things is I, I try to keep the lights on around here. And uh, he so uh, I, I, I want it to be so that, you know, Pastor Craig doesn't have to worry Sunday morning about coming in and wondering, oh, has anybody replaced those light bulbs or whatever? And I, I try to just do that on the side and, and keep the church, keep the lights on. And there's a lot of lights. There are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and in addition to, uh, you know, changing the lights and doing other things here around the church, uh, something that you shared at breakfast, too, I think was just absolutely uh, remarkable, is that you donate time to help the elderly in uh, North Minneapolis. You want to share about what you do there? Well, it's not specifically North Minneapolis, but uh, I volunteer for an organization called Senior Community Services. You might have seen them advertised in some of your local flyers, uh, and I they they provide a host of services for low-income seniors. And uh, specifically, I work for a division of them called HOME, which is Household and Outdoor Maintenance for the Elderly. 
and basically I just do handyman services for the elderly and it's primarily to people in uh, low-income people in North Minneapolis and I do we do everything from shoveling snow to cutting grass to trimming shrubs to changing light bulbs putting up gra grab bars and and handrails and just trying to keep them safe in their existing homes and and try to to find out if if there are safety issues and whether or not they should not live in their homes any longer or what have you uh, fixing toilets that don't flush cleaning out drains uh, you name it we do all kinds of things like that so uh, uh, sometimes it gets kind of ugly cleaning cleaning clogs of hair out of a drain that uh, is all plugged up but uh, it, there's a lot of joy in, in seeing uh, uh, somebody that, that this is really meaningful to that uh, that they have this service for them. And as we talked about too, you know, uh, people that, that are retired, usually they're buying a condo in Boca Raton or uh, Ari they're moving to Arizona. And why in the world uh, you're not, you enjoy deciding not to do that and you're doing this instead? I mean, you could be collecting seashells, you know, from the beach or something. Well, just to, just. <laughs> Just, just to clarify, I have no problem with going to Florida and enjoy, <laughs> enjoying a little time in the sun and uh, yeah. collecting seashells and getting a little sand between your toes. That's, <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with that at all. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I do find, find it uh, very joyful that, yeah. that I can help out the elderly like this. And yeah. uh, uh, it, uh, you know... It, it, it might be just a, a, a point of perspective or whatever, but uh, I, I get a lot of joy in, in doing this. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes I might get as much joy out of unclogging a drain as, as you might get out of having a birdie. Yeah. You know? I, I, have, I don't know about that. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have the gift of service. You have the gift of golf. <laughs> it's, it, it's a very sporadic gift, believe uh, me. Uh, you know? Whatever you do, you, you do yeah. it to the Lord, you yeah. know? That's right. Yeah. Uh, I guess I like to live my life by the verses in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 16, 17, and 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in mm -hmm. all circumstances, mm -hmm. for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And, and I just find uh, uh, doing volunteer work and kind of working behind the scenes and doing handyman jobs, I, I find it to be a real joy. It's, it's, it's return far more to me than than what I've given to others. Great. Thanks, Jim. Come give me a hand. Thanks, buddy. And I think for some of us, we're like, you know, I, I really can't fix things, or, or perhaps uh, you're limited maybe with time, what have you, but you can bless people also with words. Through simple encouragement, you could, you could really bless somebody's life. And I'm reminded of an author, Mary Ann Bird, who shared this story. And she writes this, I grew up different, and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. And the classmates in my school reminded me of just how ugly and how different I really was. It reminded me of the fact that I had a misshapen lip a crooked nose, and twisted teeth, and garbled speech. And a lot of times my classmates would ask me, you know, what happened to you? And she said, and, and Mary said, I, I would lie. 
I would lie and, and share with them that I actually had an injury in, uh, from an accident. That seemed a lot more palatable than saying I was born this way. And Mary continues. She said in second grade, we had Mrs. Leonard, and Mrs. Leonard was adored by everybody. And in one particular day, Mary writes, we had the annual hearing test where you, uh, the teacher's at her desk and, and you have to cover one ear and she whispers a phrase and, and, and um, Mary says that I knew from past experience that she'd say a phrase like the sky was blue or that my shoes are new and I have to repeat that phrase and my turn came. And as I waited for Mrs. Leonard to say the phrase that I was to say back, God must have put seven words of blessing on her lips because she, she, she said this, I wish you were my little girl. And Mary writes, those seven words blessed me and changed my entire life. You and I have been blessed in so many ways. And either, whether it's helping fix something or simply saying a phrase of seven words, we can make a difference because God has given so much to us. I'd like to have you close your eyes and bow your heads. And as we pray together, you're probably a lot like me. You get so busy, you forget to thank God. So let's just take a minute and tell him thank you. Think about the material things that you have in your life that God has blessed you with. They give you comfort, enjoyment. They enable you to serve others. Say to God, thank you. Think about your relationships that he's given you relationships in the past, relationships that you have right now and even the future, and, and tell God, thank you for these relationships and what they mean to you. Think about God's love for you. And maybe you have never or not recently, recently said to God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And you love me better than anyone else. God, thank you for loving me. And Lord, we do. We say thanks. You're a good and great God. In Jesus' name, amen.